So today I want to talk to you about um, how to be free from condemnation. You know, one of the things that I'm often asked is, uh, you know, what's the difference between condemnation and conviction? And that's really a good question because uh, a lot of people there were they, a lot of people struggle between the two, especially those who are relatively new Christians because they don't really understand or check or know the the difference. I like to put it this way, that condemnation always locks you to the past and gives you no means of escape. In other words, you're guilty, you're, you're full of shame, uh, you're perhaps fearful because of being found out or whatever, when you move into something that you know is incorrect. Conviction, on the other hand, looks to the future and gives you a means of escape. It means that you can come back to the place where your relationship with the Lord can be totally restored and you don't have to wallow in self-pity or wallow in some kind of judgment or condemnation because we know that whenever we enter into sin, three things happen. First of all, there's fear, fear of being found out, whatever. There's shame, shame of what I did. And then the result of that is also guilt. And if we carry that guilt around very long, we cannot live victorious in Christ while we're struggling with guilt. We have to be free from the guilt. Many years ago, I declared myself to be a condemnation-free zone. And I'd like to talk to you today uh, from, the, uh, uh, from 1 John, the first chapter. And I'd like to talk to you today about how you too can be freed from guilt and shame and condemnation. And so, and just, so to yourself, can, you can declare yourself as a condemnation-free zone as well. So I'm going to take a look at it. If this is going to be one of the, kind of a bit of a study. So if you have your Bibles handy, it might be good for you to take a look at that. But I'm going to look in the first chapter of John. Uh, the, that's the epistle of John, not the gospel of John, but the epistle of John. And he picks it up and uh, it says in verse four, these things we write to you that your joy may be full or may be complete. And that's really my, my hope today is that as we discuss these things over the next few minutes, that it's going to help your joy, your joy in the Lord to be more complete, be more full. Because that's one of the things that we need, because all the things that are going on in the world today, with all the uncertainties and all the lockdowns and all the things wondering what's going to happen next. And, you know, are we going to have any freedom for our children and our grandchildren and all the rest of that? There are a lot of stresses and a lot of things can come in to worry us. But we also need to have some joy, because if we don't have joy in our lives, it does something to us physiologically that actually causes us our outlook on life to be to be dimmed to be dimmed to be tainted and whatever. So John is writing here and he says, "I'm writing these things to you that your joy may be full." He goes on in verse five and says, "This is the message which we have heard from him, and we declare to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all." Now, this is a profound statement because we know that in God there's no, no variable that's of turning. He just simply is light. Now, there's other scripture which I, 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 I touched on in an earlier broadcast that in order for us to really uh, get more light or more understanding of uh, where we're at or, or scripture even and all that, we need to first of all be in light. God is light. So what does that mean to us? It means that we need to be in fellowship with him. In fact, the next verse tells us what that is. It says, 
If we say we have fellowship with him, that is fellowship with God, and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, here is a real key. In order for us to have the effectual cleansing of Jesus Christ in an ongoing manner in our lives, we need to be walking in light. Now, what does that mean? It means that we need to be walking in the truth that we have had revealed to us that comes from God because God, uh, God is light and his truth is light. And therefore, as we walk in the truth that we have learned and we embrace that truth, that's what the scripture calls walking in light. We walk in the enlightenment that has become our, our experience through the Holy Spirit teaching us about the things that, God, that are from the Lord. And so it, we need to stay in that light in order for the blood of Jesus Christ to be cleansing us from all sin. Now, in these next few verses, we're going to see, uh, and I'm using the New King James Version, which I've checked against the original Greek, and it's correct in, in the rendering of these words. We're going to look at two words that are sin. One is the sin singular, which, ref which refers to the sin nature, which we all still have. The second is the sins plural, which are the actions or the deeds of that sin nature. And so when he says here in verse, in verse 7 that uh, if we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin, what that is saying to us is as we walk in light, and we walk with the, with the Lord and the uh, fellowship of the Holy Spirit as he keeps us in that light. As we do that, the blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing us, or in other words, releasing us from the effects, the guilt, or the condemnation of the sin nature. Because you see, God knows we have a sin nature, and he, he, he left it there when we were born again. He could have perhaps eradicated that sin nature and therefore we would just be totally free and have you know, no troubles, no temptations, no trials of any kind. But it's very much like the, in the natural as well. He left the sin nature here so that we would have a, the, the, something to, to resist us and that we could grow spiritually stronger and that we also could have a basis to make the proper choices. Because if we did not have the, the opportunity or the ability to make choices, then we would be just like, uh, we would be slaves or zombies or something that uh, God is not interested in. God gave us a free will. And in that free will, he expects us to make right choices, especially as we're in light. Now, when we consider this, when we have uh, moved into some form of sin or something which we know as disobedience to the Lord or displeasing to him, or, and we just, well, maybe we've just opened our mouth to change feet or, or something like that. We cannot get freed from that by looking, looking in the dark. We can't go back into the dark and try to figure out how we can get free. We can't sit around navel-gazing and saying, well, what can I introspect within myself to see if I can find some reason for this? No, no, no. The only way to really get free and have the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us is walking in the light. What light? The light that I am a born-again, bought son or daughter of God, and as I walk in that understanding and in the light of that reality and truth, 
The blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing me. And as it's continually cleansing me, there is now no room for me to, uh, to waller around in, self, in, the, in the self-condemnation or some kind of accusations from the devil or whatever he might be wanting to put our way. We can walk in light even as Jesus Christ is cleansing us as we walk in that light. So with that little bit of a, of a basis there to understand, I want to now look at the next couple of verses and I'm going to make a distinction between sin singular, which refers to the sin nature, and sins plural, which are the deeds or the actions of that sin nature, or coming into agreement with it. As uh, James uh, says to us that um, uh, when, when we're, temp we're all tempted, but temptation itself is not sin. But when we come into agreement with that temptation, that's when it brings forth the effects of it, ultimately brings forth spiritual death. So he says that as we walk in that light, we have fellowship with him. Because you see, again, we can only have fellowship with, with God as we walk in light. Because we cannot have fellowship with God, especially as his children, if we're walking around or stumbling around in the dark. We must be in light to have fellowship with him. It's just like in the natural. Uh, it's pretty hard to be having a conversation or a relationship with somebody in the dark. So you want to have lights on. You want to have the lights. You can see what each other's face. You can see each other's expressions. You can get the innuendos of the nonverbal communication and all that. That's how we really fellowship. It's we need to be in light. The same thing is true with the Lord. But the light that we walk in is the light of his word. It's the light of understanding that we're freed from guilt and shame and condemnation and fear. We don't need to walk in fear because he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Therefore, we can stay in fellowship with him. We can stay in communion with him or communication, if you prefer. And, and as we're doing that, the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing us from all the effects of the sin nature that God knows we have that has been left in us uh, to give us something to choose from or with. We can choose from either the old nature or the new nature. And this is why we're admonished time and time again, to put off the old nature, put on the new. So let's look at these next couple of verses and see what we can find through this. Verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, that's the word singular, sin, so sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, nobody that's alive on planet Earth can say uh, honestly that they do not have a sin nature. God allowed that sin nature to remain in us, as I said, to give us the opportunity to choose him instead of choosing the natural instincts or the natural bent of the old man or the habits that we had before we came to Christ. So it is important to understand that. God knew that. That's why he knows our frame. That's why he can have mercy on us when we sin. That's why he can have mercy on us when we, when we just really blow it. Because he left that sin nature in us knowing full well that we could choose to go that way or we could choose to go with the way of the Spirit. But see, as, we're, as it says here, it says, if we say we have no sin or though no sin nature, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. It just simply isn't in us. Because each one of us has that sin nature. But you see, here's the, here's the beauty of it. None of us have to be a slave to that sin nature. That's where the blood of Jesus comes in, where he, as we walk in light, he is continually cleansing us 
from all the effects of that sin nature that is still resident within each one of us. But we don't have to be, we don't have to be overcome by it. We can overcome it by making right choices and living in a condemnation-free zone. You will never get free from sin while you're entertaining condemnation of, about something that you engaged in in your past. I don't care if that past was 30 years ago or 30 minutes ago or three minutes ago. When you do something that you know is contrary to the new life that we're supposed to live in, repent. Get cleansed. Ask the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. Because that cleansing is available to us instantaneously. Because remember, as we are walking in the light, and only when we're walking in the light, not when we're in the darkness somewhere, only when we're walking in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing us from all sin. Doesn't mean we don't have to repent. Didn't say that. But listen to what he goes on and says. I'll read verse 8 again. If we say we have no sin, that is no sin nature, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But then verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, that's the deeds of the sin nature. That's where we have yielded to temptation. That's where we have uh, opened our mouth to change feet, so to speak. That's where we have allowed ourselves to, for a moment, go back into the dark and see what it's like over there. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to do what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's what he's saying. He knows we have the sin nature in us. He knows that we have the freedom of choice. So we can choose to serve him, or we can choose to go back and serve the sin nature. When in those times when we mess up, whether it's an unkind word, whether it's a deed that's actually a sinful deed, and we realize, oh man, we have, we have really messed up. We have gone back into sin and we find ourselves convicted of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, the Holy Spirit's job in the believer or one of the basic, uh, basic uh, jobs of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Our sin, God's righteousness, and the judgment between the two. So you see, the Holy Spirit will always convict us not only after we have been in sin, but if we're really sensitive to him, he'll convict us before we actually entertain the sin. He'll say, ah, shouldn't do that. Don't go there. But you see, if we sin, if we allow the deeds or the actions of the sin nature to overcome us in a moment of time, and we confess that we say, Lord, it's me again. Lord, I have, I, I have messed up. Cleanse me, forgive me, clean me by the blood of Jesus Christ. He says here, he does this. He's, he said, I'll read it again. He said, if we confess our sins, that's the deeds of that sin nature. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our, of, of our sins or the deeds of that sin nature and to cleanse us from all, A-double-L, unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means regardless what that sin is, regardless what it is that we've gone into, if we'll can repent, confess, and say, God, please cleanse me. I want to be walk, walk, and walk back in the light again. That deed is cleansed, and we're just as free as we were before. We're just as free and as innocent and clean before God because he says we are. He says we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Now, why? My question is, why is it 
that if we can simply confess and acknowledge our sins while we took part of the old nature again, of the sin nature, and if Jesus here says, if he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, why would we continue in condemnation of that which we did when we can simply come back from the darkness into the light and experience a beautiful washing, cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? It's that which is contrary to or not right with God. So it doesn't matter. He doesn't say, well, you know, after you do, you know, you lash yourself with a wet noodle for 30 times or something like that. He doesn't say after, you know, you, you read the Bible long enough or doesn't say if you go to the priest and make confession of some kind. It doesn't say if you do any of those things. He just simply says, confess it, repent of it, come to Jesus and you're washed again of all unrighteousness. You're clean, squeaky clean, just as if you had never sinned again. So this is the beauty of it. This is how you can, can, this is how you declare yourself to be a condemnation-free zone. How do you do that? Something I've done for many, many years is the moment that I realize that I have crossed the line, I stop, I repent, ask for cleansing, and immediately get back into the light. And so it's, it's, it's in other words, I keep very short accounts. I keep very short accounts. And in those short accounts is what keeps me in righteousness. It keeps me in the place where condemnation has no ability to, to uh, bring me down or cause me to go back and reflect in the dark. I can stay in the light. That's what I'm trying to get across to you today. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful. It will cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we allow him to do so. But we have to just acknowledge, number one, yes, we went into the dark again. We confess that. We acknowledge that. And then what we do is we come and say, Lord Jesus, cleanse me again. Wash me in the blood of Jesus, uh, in, in your blood. Now, this is not, I'm not saying this to give you a license, which we're going to see in a little bit. I'm saying this because this is the reality and the, and the truth and the beauty of walking in the light. So he goes on now and he says this. If we say that we have not sinned, in other words, if we say that we have not partaken of the deeds of the sin nature, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What does that mean? It means that if we, if we do not confess that, yes, there are times we go back into the sin nature, we make God a liar in that he has, he has given us the ability to cleanse us of all of that sin nature. Had he not given us that ability, God would have ceased to be unjust, would have ceased to be just, I'm sorry. He would be unjust. So we would make him a liar. If he would not cleanse us when he allowed the sin nature to remain in us, if he would not cleanse us when we come to him and ask for that cleansing, we make him a liar. We say, well, what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did for us is not really applicable to me. But you see, that's not true. The truth is that he understands our sin nature. He understands that nature is still in us. He understands that we're but dust. He understands where we are at. But at the same time, he has compassion on us. Why? Because as the scripture tells us, Jesus himself, when he was here as a son of man, he was tempted in all points such as you and I. Therefore, he understands temptation. He understands what can happen if we yield to darkness and not stay in light. Thank goodness that Jesus, while he was here as a son of man, always stayed in the light. I'm going to talk some more about that. And uh, one of these times, I'm going to talk to you about the secret of Jesus's ministry. But anyway, the, he says here now, 
he, he says that uh, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, what a blessing that is. What a truth that is for us to embrace and say, thank you, Lord, for your grace, your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for understanding my weakness. And yet not to give me an excuse, not to give me a license, but simply a place of recourse, a place of being back into the, in the place where I have favor with God, back in the place where I can be justified, back in the place where I can continue walking in the light. If we confess our sins, he says, if we say we have not sinned, if we, if we claim this, oh, well, I'm perfect. I never, I never partake of sin at all, at all anymore. We make him a liar because you see it's still in us. Now, the truth of this is this. The truth of the matter is this. We can stay free from partaking in sin as long as we're walking in the light. So let me ask you a question. If we're walking in the light, well, let me, let me rephrase that question. The work of the Holy Spirit, as I said, is to convince us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So let me ask you a question. Are you guilty before God of sin when the Holy Spirit has not convicted you? Well, as I see it and understand the scripture, no. Because if we, if God would hold us guilty of something that he didn't make aware to us, he would be unjust. It's like Paul said in the book of Romans. He said he had not known sin until the law came and he exposed what it was. We don't need the law to tell us, although the Holy Spirit works with that, which is the revealed uh, word and principles of God. But the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin. So if you're not being convicted of sin at this very moment, are you guilty before God? No. So let me ask you the second question. How long can you stay in that place where you're free from sin? A minute? Two minutes? Ten? An hour? A day? How long? Well, I believe God gave us the ability to walk free from sin. In other words, free from our partaking of that old sin nature still in us perpetually. Do we do it? I'll have to confess. I'm not completely there yet. But I'll tell you one thing. That's what I press for. Like Paul said, he presses, striving, pressing for the mark that's set before him. So I want to challenge you today. How long can you live free from sin? How long can you live free from conviction that you're outside of the light of God and they're wandering around the dark. Well, let's see what he says. Hallelujah. This is good word. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, if we would, if we'd say, well, I don't have any sin nature. I have never sinned. There's no need for me to receive the blood of Jesus, as some teach, because once I've done it back over there, whenever that was, I, I gave my heart to the Lord. Uh, that, that's just the end of that. No, no, that's just the beginning of the journey. That's just the beginning of the journey. But listen to what he says. Verse 1 of chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. In other words, so that you may not commit the deeds of the sin nature, that you may not give that sin nature priority and power over you. And if anyone sins, ah, oh, there's a real key. It's the word if, it's not the word when. If means that uh, there's a possibility that it could happen. When would mean it's going to happen. But he says, and if anyone sins, in other words, if anyone partakes of the deeds of that sin nature, 
If anyone does that, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Oh, hallelujah. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. In other words, the deeds of that sin nature, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. In other words, he, what he's saying is there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's no neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond or free. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. The blood of Jesus Christ is available to each one of us if we make ourselves, if, if, we, if we take advantage of it. If we take advantage of it, it's probably the wrong word, probably the wrong way to say it. If we receive the atonement that Jesus paid for on the cross. As a result of that, he said, if you do sin, if for some reason you yield to temptation and you partake of that sin nature again and you get caught up in whatever it is that you're caught up with, if you do that, in other words, the possibility is there. It's not a pre-gone conclusion that you will, but the possibility is there. He says, if, you, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. We have the blood of Jesus Christ declaring before God better things than the blood of Abel. God looks at us through Jesus. God the Father looks at us through Jesus. We look at, we look at God the Father through Jesus. Under the, inspiration, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he says, for he himself is the perpetuation for our sins. He is the substitute. He has paid the complete and full price, hallelujah, for our forgiveness and cleansing. And, and he, he, this, this, is why, this is why it's not only available to a select few, it's available to whoever makes, makes use of it, whoever will receive what he has done for us. And so he says in the next verse, and I'm going to begin closing it up with this. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And he says, I know him and does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. For by this we know we are in. And he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. What is all that saying? It's saying walk in the light. It's saying stay in the light and you have fellowship with him. It's saying as we stay in the light, stay in the truth of God, stay in the revealed will of God, whatever that might be for you personally. And But if you do astray and get out of that, you have an advocate with the Father. You have someone say, oh, God, Father, you remember that, that sin nature is still left in it, but I have paid the price. My blood will cleanse as soon as they ask for it. Therefore, you get right back in, you confess your sins, you repent of it, and you say, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all the actions of that sin nature, and, you're, and you are made righteous and justified from all unrighteousness. That's good news. That's good news. So how do you stay free from condemnation? Number one, you keep a very short account. When you realize that you have violated the restraint of the Holy Spirit, which I believe that that all sin is committed by all sin that is committed by Christians is a direct result of disregarding the check of the Holy Spirit. If we go against the check of the Holy Spirit, we say, ah, uh -uh, shouldn't do that, and we get involved in it through some habit or whatever it might be, immediately stop, repent, say, oh God, that sin nature got me again. I made a choice that was wrong. 
cleanse me. I confess it. I take responsibility for it. It's not the devil made me do it. It's not my circumstances made me do it. It's not my grandfather made me do it. My parents made me do it. It's a neighbor down the street made me do it. It's not my dog made me do it. It's me, Lord. I take responsibility. I confess it. It's my doings. I need cleansing. Wash me and cleanse me in the blood of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, because he is our advocate, it says here, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And you can be free from condemnation, free from guilt, free from shame, free from the fear that goes along with it. So my challenge to you today is keep a short account. Because in keeping that short account, you can stay free from condemnation from, that, from this day forward. That is my hope. That is my desire. And I trust these few minutes that we've spent together sharing from this powerful section of Scripture, which to me is a key to living victorious in Christ. By sharing with that, sharing this with you, I hope you get a hold of it. And as a result of getting a hold of it, I trust that it's going to change your life from this day forward. God bless you. Stay tuned. Keep looking to the Lord. And we'll see you next time.